Welcome to the Neuropod, the podcast for neurodiagnostic professionals. Our mission is to provide you with information that can help you provide better care for your patients. Knowledge is power, and more knowledge can lead to better patient outcomes. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Jason Meyer, your host for today's show. So our guest today is Connie Kubiak. Connie's a dear friend of mine from up north. Connie, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me. Connie is our current past president, and uh, she'll be rotating off and uh, retiring, I think, in this November. Is that right, Connie? That is correct, yes. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us about your journey and how you got started and, and uh, grew up in neurodiagnostics? So I have actually been in neurodiagnostics for about 40 years. I uh, started working in the local hospital I was at at the age of 19, uh, actually in non-invasive cardiology, and then went into pulmonary function, uh, some respiratory therapy. And then my boss said, hey, why don't you become an EEG tech? And I thought, sure. How hard can it be? I learned EKGs in two weeks. EEG must be a piece of cake. Yeah. And here I am 45 years later, and I'm still learning. So yeah. It's been a journey, but it's been a great journey, and, I, and I'm very, very thankful for all of the opportunities I've had. Yeah, awesome. Well, you've contributed a lot. I think we met back in um, back when uh, OSET, Ohio Society, and MSET were doing uh, we were doing uh, tri tri state meetings with ISET as well. And, Correct. Um, yeah, yeah, the good old days. So tell me about your your uh, your training, and obviously you said you're learning to this day, so it's a continuing ed. Tell me about how you uh, got trained in neurodiagnostics early on. So I was first trained on the job and taught to do uh, electrode placement by putting a styrofoam head that had all of the electrode markings on it next to the patient and just mirroring where those electrodes went according to how they were plugged into the box. I was told to never touch anything other than the master switches on the grass model 8 that we used. Okay. Uh, because I would I would break the machine. So we did it that way. Okay. After being in the field for a little bit, I found out about uh, several schools and the asset. And so until I went to school, which was about six years later, that's when I learned the International 1020 system for electrode placement. And then I and I attended the School of EEG Technology at St. Joseph's Hospital in Tampa, Florida, which was one of a handful at the time of accredited programs. It was a great experience. I think it was nice having the on the job first because I knew exactly what I was getting into. Yeah. So, Connie, um, why don't you outline for us some of your early experiences that that uh, kind of molded you in the industry? You went over your training. You went on into how you got involved in neurodiagnostics. But what molded you as an individual over these years? So, one of the things that I've always tried to do is treat every patient as if they were a family member. You know, if your family was going in and having a, a something done, regardless of their age or their illness, how would you want them treated? Yeah. Um, if from a training standpoint, we, uh, like I said to you, I was told to never touch anything other than the master switches or like the machine would explode or some stupid thing. Yeah. But, you know, we had to do all our own troubleshooting. We had to do all our own repairs in early days. There was no biomed. Yeah. There was just the maintenance guy with a screwdriver and a wrench if you needed it. And you as the tech were doing that. Yeah. Um, every Friday, we took that machine completely apart and put it back together after to clean it. So it taught you pride, you yeah. know, in what you were doing. Um, you were asked to learn as much as you could uh, about everything that you did. I was trained on the job for evoke potentials, for yeah. TCDs, for IONM, for EMG and nerves. And that's just what you did. Yeah. I was lucky enough. I, I covered for a hospital who had a Model 6 and they were getting a, a brand new neon code machine. And Jennifer Dremel was their rep, 
Uh, I found out later she was a registered tech who had actually been a past president in the Michigan Society. Oh, awesome. And she was the one who informed me about Asset in the school in Tampa. Okay. And she said, you should go to school. And if it wasn't for her, I mean, who knows where I would be at this point, right? Yeah. So um, I remember my first child that had a three per second spike wave discharge for absent seizures and me repeatedly telling her to be still. Yeah. Because I had no idea what I was looking at. Um, and that made such an impact on me that I felt, you know, I needed to do something. I needed to be more aware. Yeah. Yeah. We're the first line for the physicians, you know, the physician's not doing the study. We are. Yeah. And um, so you have to be the first set of eyes and ears. If the patient's paying, paying all that money, you have to make sure it's a good quality test. Yeah. Well, one of my friends over in West Virginia, I, he's, he's in our club. I call him an old timer. Um, he, he said <laughs> to me one time I was showing him something I was working on regarding measuring. And he's like, hey, pay, the, the quality of study starts with the patient connection. And, yes. uh, and if, if you don't get that right, and if the tech doesn't do the study right, then how can a physician make the call? If they don't measure and Correct. accurately, how do they make the call? They can't trust the study. Correct. My last director that I worked under, he said to me, I can teach an EEG technologist to do anything, but I can very seldom have anyone else in allied health field learn EEG unless they really want to know how to do it. Yeah. It's just a certain mindset and a good quality EG technologist is just a certain mindset. How, how do, how do we fix okay. that? How do we address that? You know, I mean, how, I, how, do, I how do you build the mindset? How do we build yes. the mindset to better the science and the care for the patient? Well, and you know, and the, the bigger thing, I mean, that I found is that the president of asset is how do you get those 7,000 people to be vested in asset? Yeah. Yeah. And we have 7,000 members, yeah. but we have a we have a very low percentage who vote. We have a very low percentage who do the salary survey. We have a very low percentage who volunteer. Yeah. Uh, and why is that? But it, I think you're seeing it sort of across the board. I, w I saw a big shift, at least from MSET, when 9-11 uh, happened. Yeah. Um, you know, volunteerism. And then now you've had... Uh, uh, COVID and you've had all of these other things. And I think people are more back into themselves again yeah. without realizing that you have to invest in yourself in the field if you want to keep the field active and you want to get where you're going. Anyway, so so tell me, from after all that uh, development and experience and molding you as a, as a technologist, um, when did you enter tribal technologist work? And then what was your motive to get into it? Why did you do it? So I, I've looked at travel for quite some time. When when I was first in EEG in Florida, there were travel nurses. Uh, Florida used a lot of travel nurses during the wintertime because of the snowbirds. Mm -hmm. But it never really went to anything other than nursing. So it had been sort of something on and off that I've sort of kicked around. Uh, after I got divorced, I had th I had thought about doing it. And then um, for most of you in the audience, you know my husband, Barney, my MacGyver, who has been, I think, to every asset meeting since I started uh, seeing him. And uh, I, I was up where I'm living at now, and I was working in a nice little hospital and living the good life. And he and I had been together about six or seven years. Uh, we were expecting our first grandchild. Mm -hmm. um, took a family leave because he came very prematurely. My uh, son at the time was deployed. And the next year, I wanted to take a, a leave again to help spend some time while he was gone and was told that I couldn't. Uh, so I started looking at other options. I interviewed for almost a year, uh, different travel companies and different recruiters. Kind of, kind of uh, real quick. When, when was this? Uh, so it would have been 2013. Okay. 
So not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Around 10 years or so. Yeah. And um, found a fellow that I worked with uh, who is has been in the field of recruiting for a while. And he was very honest with me and very upright. And he said, when you feel comfortable and you're ready, you let me know. And uh, had a discussion with Barney at the time. And we talked about travel and how it would impact us as a couple. And he said to me, he said, whatever you decide to do, I support you 100%. And uh, took my first job in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay. And he went with me. And was it was it defined? Say, you knew how long you, you knew how long you were going to be yes. there. Okay. Yes, I was going to be there 13 weeks. Okay. Uh, they actually they actually got me an apartment um, okay. because at the time we didn't know you know if it was going to be full time or not. Uh, prior to that, I had talked with a couple companies about doing some remote monitoring and things like that. But I tease people that I live in the hinterlands, and yeah. so at the time the um, the satellite did not support our real time EEG monitoring, so I was sort of limited from from where I could go. So yeah, um, yeah. So did that and been traveling uh, for ten years. And one of the things that I like about it, it I guess it was sort of our early retirement look also because I only work six to nine months a year. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was perfect. We spend winters uh, with our two, my two sons and the four grandchildren. So it gives us a little break from the the weather. It gives us a little break from work, and we get to see family yeah. as we want to. And 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 I can and I get to adjust my own schedule. So I don't by any means when I work, I work full time, but I don't work for a full time in a year's time. So for me, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. So Connie, I I know you well. I know y'all drive the the camper, and and mm-hmm. uh, you'll stay in the camper, and Barney will fly back home. Is that how y'all do it? I, yes, I think that's right. Yes. right? Yes. Up until I've I've been I've been in our motorhome sometimes up to three years without being home. Okay. For any permanent amount of time, I mean I'll come home for a week or so. Like I'm home right now. Yeah. Until next week. Um, and, he, and the camper he, is on site. It's in Florida. Yes. In Florida. Okay. Okay. In Florida. Yep. And that's where you're doing the job now, or? Yes, I'm in Tampa. I'm actually at I'm actually working where I went to EEG school. Oh yeah, you told me that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So awesome. I, my retirement, my retirement will be where it all started. Yeah. From a professional standpoint, so. That's awesome. So our listeners don't have that luxury. So w- tell me, how how does it work if you don't have a camper to stay in? Well, so th- so my first job, uh, they actually got me a great apartment in Allentown. It was in a high rise. It had a pool. It had separate entrances. It had a doorman. It had parking. Wow. It, it had all of that. So. Um, when I went to Alaska, I took an apartment. We didn't we didn't take our our motorhome with us there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to Bend, Oregon, we didn't take our motorhome there. It's just because of distance and the amount of time that I had from one contract to the next. Yeah. So they will. You have an option when you travel. You can either take the stipend mm-hmm. and find your own housing, or you can have them find you housing. And, and what all does or, the stipend? Is the stipend um board room and board? Is it room board travel? What what's the stipend? How's it work? So, well, so so when you travel, they give you an hourly rate, just like you would have for anything else. Um, what I tell people is always also depends on what position you're being hired for. Mm-hmm. So if you're being hired as a basic EEG technologist, you're not doing IONM, you're not doing you know any of the advanced things. You're going to pay be paid comparable to an hourly rate for the area okay. or for the facility. Okay. And is there um, is there a pre- is there a premium for because you're traveling? Uh, well, so the premium comes not from necessarily the hourly rate that you get, but from the other add-ons that come with it. Okay. And those, so, are, those uh, are, okay. 
So you get uh, an hourly rate stipend to help offset expenses like gas in your phone. It's, you know, like six to $8 an hour for the hours that you work. Okay. That's tax. That's a tax-free stipend oh, as nice. long as it's greater than 75 miles from your home base. Okay. You also get a, a housing stipend, which is to help you pay for a furnished place to live. Okay. And that's, uh, that is dependent on the location that you're in. So your housing stipend for New York City or San Francisco or LA or Chicago is going to be greater than it is for Tampa, uh, you know, some of the other smaller areas. Yeah. Or yeah. Or some of the smaller areas. So a lot of it depends on where you are and, and, and what your needs are. Um, and that's and are these set, are these set by government or are these set by the 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 agency it, that you're working for? It's set by the agency that you're working for 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 what it would cost. So if Jason Mayer decided to go to Cincinnati from Traverse City, Michigan, and stay for three months in Cincinnati, what is the average rate for a furnished apartment for one? Mm -hmm. That would include all your linens, so all of your kitchen utensils, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Right. And and so then and that's also a tax free uh, stipend. Mm -hmm. So for myself, when I go in my motor coach, uh, I get the stack tax free stipend paid out with every paycheck. So four four times a month, mm -hmm. um, equivalent to that. And you know you can you can take it and find your own spot, or you can take it and live in your travel trailer, live in your car if you want to, um, live in a hotel if you want to. Or if you have family or friends in the area, you could stay from them. You can rent a room, mm -hmm. uh, or or they'll put you up in a place. So it just depends on what you want. So you work for a agency, or or Correct. do they get a or do they get a placement fee, or or do they? I'm sorry to use this expression. They skim off the top. Are they billing so us the, a higher so, rate than what they're paying you? Yes. Okay. Yes. So they're billing. So I, I was told by the first fellow I worked with that you have to work approximately half of the 13-week contract to pay for the technologist to be there. Gotcha. So I have to work six weeks to pay for my entire stay of 13 weeks. The rest of that after that then goes to the company. Gotcha. So, so they get something off the top. So as a, for instance, I make X amount of dollars an hour plus the, the stipend and all of that. And that can, that can figure out to 60 to $75 an hour. Okay. Wow. Total. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And that, and then if they're charging a hundred dollars an hour for me, that other 25 an hour is what's going to them. Yeah. Now it's different with every company and it has, a, if they do a lot of nursing placement, they charge a lot of money for nurses, especially during COVID and less money for allied health, but they offer the allied health as an add on because they already have this huge nursing contract. Gotcha. There are other companies that charge less money to make a travel tech more affordable for a smaller facility. Mm-hmm. So from, from my standpoint, a lot of it has to do with when I looked at different companies that had to do with how they treated me professionally, what their expectations were, and then how they treated me once I got onto the job. Mm -hmm. And some of them pay, I'm making more money now with a company I'm working through now than I ever have in, in doing this from a, a percentage standpoint. Yeah. But they're also a large company and they also do a lot of nursing placement. So that makes up for it. Yeah. So what situations are you usually walking into and i ask that so if it's a 13-week contract why do they need a travel person for 13 weeks Are they covering a gap that they're waiting for someone to be developed up in 
sometimes it's growth. They opened a EMU, they opened LTM, their LTM or EMU has gone crazy. They've opened another hospital. They've opened an, a larger outpatient lab. They just need more bodies because they're now providing 24 hour coverage. Somebody left, somebody's on medical leave. They've got a whole new set of students that they're growing to bring in to take over as full-time technologists. They're just not quite there yet. Gotcha. So in everything in the middle. That's great, Connie. Hey, let's take a quick break and thank today's sponsor, Asset, the Neurodiagnostic Society. When we come back, Connie will share with us how one gets into travel neurodiagnostics. Asset, the Neurodiagnostic Society is the leading international member society for all areas of neurodiagnostics. Serving over 7,000 members, both in the U.S. and abroad, ASSET provides leading core curriculum education, standards of practice, position statements, advocacy, gold standard, continuing education, and the ability to give back to the community at large. Volunteering, leadership and development, as well as mentoring, allows all members to give back regardless of their clinical skill level. Become involved with ASSET and develop next-level leadership and volunteerism skills that you can't get at the clinical level. The most recent document, spearheaded by ASSET in collaboration with ACNS, AANEM, and ASNM, discusses qualifications, titles, and responsibilities for all personnel found in a neurodiagnostic department. ASSET has placed this on the website www.asset.org forward slash Q as in Queen, N as in Nancy, P as in Paul, so that's www.asset.org forward slash QNP and made this first-of-a-kind document available to everyone in the field. While 12 years in the making, it covers basic entry-level to physician-level positions. This document will now help in greater advocacy and reimbursement strategies from ASSET. Watch for more support documents from ASSET regarding job descriptions and competencies in relation to this historical venture. We hope to see you at the 64th Annual ASSET Conference in Orlando, Florida, July 20th through 22nd, 2023. Welcome back to the show. We're with Connie Kubiak, current past president of Asset. So Connie, picking up on travel NDT, what about the tech that's thinking about becoming a travel tech? Not, not how they get into it, but differentiate for me the difference from working with an agency or someone who thinks or wants to do it on their own. How come you haven't done that? Uh, because I refuse to pay for my own malpractice insurance. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you go through an agency, you know, they onboard you just as if you were going into any hospital. So you do all the joint commission requirements, you have a physical, you have all the vaccinations, you have all of the health things that go along with it, CPR training, um, onboarding, they recruit you, they, they send your information out, and they get you the position. They do all of that at no cost to you. Yeah. If you were doing all of that on your own, which Back in the day, there there was a tech actually here in in Michigan that was trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Just place uh, she themselves. Was, she was trying to do PRN things as a travel person, yeah. just in the state of Michigan, and was not very well received. She probably would be received differently now, but not very well received. My biggest thing, and the reason that I did it um, through a company, had to do with malpractice. Yeah. You know, if you if you're working for a facility, you have a certain level of malpractice coverage. 
uh, if something happens and somebody decides to sue you as the individual, where if you're doing it on your own, that you then have to find it on your own. Yeah. I personally, I, I personally didn't want to have to negotiate contracts and all the liability that went with it and all of that. I wanted somebody else to do it for me. Yeah. Just um, for the listeners, that's changed a little bit. Um, Sheree goes yes. on, Sheree's gone on, goes on site. We formed an LLC, which provides some um, liability protections. And uh, if she does handle patients and such, she does have coverage and it was not for, is for, EEG only, um, but it was Correct. but it was not very expensive. It's maybe four hundred dollars. No. Yeah, um, right. so it is available and it has changed. And with LegalZoom, things have gotten a little easier from a, a legal right. perspective as well. Right, right, and yeah, you can do that. But there's I mean, a I, lot of know, other administrative stuff, and the reputation yes. of the agency, and they have a huge Correct. base, so they have instant Correct. Uh, need that they can if if they had a ten tax, they could be placing ten tax. So are so, you a contract employee? Um, are they just doing the, the? No. Okay. No, they. I. I don't. They do a regular W two. I have okay. benefits if I work full time. You know, I. I choose to not work full time, but I have people I know that have been full time for 15, 20 years as travel EG travel. technologists. Yeah. And they're full time. They have full benefits. They have health insurance. They have vacation. They have sick time. Yeah. You know, they have all of that. So by by right, usually between from one contract to the next, they give you approximately a week to two weeks to travel to get there. Yeah. Um, to handle whatever you need to handle outside of the job, and but and then they consider you full time. Gotcha. Um, I've I've never traveled full time, so I've never, but I've used the benefits. Do you and get, then if do I you wasn't paid? working, I did cover. When you get that week or two back at back on your your base, your home. Do you get paid during that period? No, I don't because I don't. I don't work you're not in enough hours full time. Correct. Yeah. So okay, good. Okay, yeah. good. Is and there, that's a is, choice. Is there a difference? So we're we're almost got a good lead in into what's your favorite part, your least favorite part. We'll get to that. What PRN mm -hmm. versus travel? Is there a difference? Mm -hmm. So as a travel technologist, I'm my contract states I have to work at least thirty six hours a week. Okay. So if they if they cut me less than that, they still have to pay me that. Okay, gotcha. As, so PRN would be just hours. as needed. Is that the difference? Correct. Correct. Okay. And and usually PR and a lot of PRN people don't have benefits. There are some facilities that will give PRN people benefits, mm -hmm. but they're very restricted. Usually, uh, usually less than part time benefits would be. And then they also uh, have a requirement. Maybe you have to work one shift a month or or two shifts of a quarter or something like that. It just depends on what their requirements are. And you usually work for the facility. Now there are some companies and some facilities who have their own travel staff. Mm -hmm. They call them travel staff. They travel between multiple facilities and they're used to help cover uh, staff shortages, vacation times, uh, you know, uh, leave times, things like that. So, so very, very short periods. Correct. Maybe a, a, maybe a week or or less. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. So, Connie, what's what are some of your favorite things about being a travel tech? Well, I mean, you know, everybody says, "Oh, I want to do the travel thing because I want to go to all these great places." Mm -hmm. Well, you're not just going to visit all these great places. That's sort of the bonus of traveling, right? Um, what you need to realize is that you're going to a new lab. I'm going to a new lab every 13 weeks, mm -hmm. and I don't get a 90 day orientation. So, you know, I've had some great orientations and I've had no orientation and I've had everything in the middle. Yeah. So you have to be willing and know that when you walk in, it could be total chaos mm -hmm. or it could be the smoothest running machine. 
that you've ever been involved in and everything in the middle. And you're just covering shifts. And you're just covering yeah. shifts. Well, yeah. you're covering shifts. You're doing a little bit more sometimes, but you're covering shifts. So yeah. I like, I'm, I'm in a new lab. You know, I, like I said, I've been in, in hospital 45 years. I've been in the field for 40. I learned something new everywhere I go. Yeah. I learned a different technique, a different way, a different process. You know, at every place I've been, I've used different products. Every place I've gone, I've met great people. Yeah. Some I still keep in touch with over the last 10 years. So, and I've met terrible people that I don't ever care if I ever see them again. Yeah, right. But, but I bet Same you, thing with, I bet you learn something from them too. I like to say that, uh, yes, you should absolutely. learn as much from your bad managers as you're good. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I geographically, I get to go places I've never been to. I've get, I've gotten to work with some really terrific facilities, large and small, um, I've had the opportunity at the same time while I travel, I have a, a, a obsession with family genealogy. And so a lot of my, yeah. my things are taken to go to places where I want to do genealogical work or, or meet extended family members that I would never get to do that. Yeah. Um, I know that if the position is terrible or the management is terrible in 13 weeks, I'm leaving. If they're really terrific and they're wonderful, or I want to stay there, I can always extend if they offer it to me. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also allowed me because I've had, you know, I have this extra time. They're not calling me when I leave the job to come back to work, or they're not calling me about some issue, or I'm not having to work 80 hours a week because they usually don't want to pay that extra money so that the the travel technologist is getting. So I've had the opportunity to more, do more volunteerism, and that's how I got involved with Asset. Yeah. Um, I started doing some committee work and started assisting uh, in that level. And, yeah. um, but you, you were experienced, you were experienced because when we met, I'm not going to put a date on that, but when we met, <laughs> when we met, you were president at MSET, weren't you? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I, I mean, I've done volunteerism since I was 14. I started out as a candy striper, you know, done things with my kids, Boy Scouts, boosters, uh, MSET, you know, the hospital things. I mean, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. um, it's funny, you know, and I'm sure if you talk to Sheree and anybody else, you know, Asset always had this little little mystery about it. You know, I remember going to my first meeting and thinking, oh, my gosh, Kathleen Mears was so incredible. And mm-hmm. Cindy, you know, all of these other people that were up there, Elizabeth Mullican and, and Maggie Marsh Nation and all these people that were the people, yeah. you know, Bobby Tasky. I mean, all these people that I met that I, I was thinking in my head. You know, am I ever going to be to that level of either knowledge, experience, or you know, whatever? And if nothing else, uh, volunteering has taught me so many things about working with people and mentoring and giving back. And uh, one of the things I tell people is, you, you always have to remember that every one of those technologists that you've met, physicians, have all been in your shoes. They've all started somewhere. Yeah, I've helped many techs get credentialed. I've helped many people decide to go to school, mm-hmm. and 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 I think I think especially when you get outside of huge academic or huge um, hospital facilities, you, you see what the struggles are out there. You know, there's there's some real struggles out in some of those smaller community hospitals, oh, yeah. 500 bed facilities or less. You know, they're they're struggling with recognition. They're struggling because they they don't have a resource. They're struggling because they don't know where to go and and how to get what they need. And, and so if nothing else, I get to be that ambassador mm-hmm. uh, for the, the, you know, the, the field as a whole. And, and I enjoy doing that. Yeah. I was going to say, do you, how, how did the hospitals that hire you, do they um, welcome mentorship 
um, for for the tax? Do they resist it? Uh, some, do they want you to come in and just do it their way, or how's that? They work? want you to come in and do it their way, which is fine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a traveler, I'm I'm temporary. I, it's not my job to change their process. My job is just to get the work done. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of so the. So if you walk in and there's text. no policies or procedures, do you remain silent? No. <laughs> for those of you who know me, that's been one of my, my most difficult things is remaining silent. No, I, I let them know that as so as a travel tech, when I come in, I you know, sometimes I get four hours of orientation to the lab and where things are and how they want things done. Yeah. And so normally most places will hand you the policy for infection control and and the process of whatever testing you're going to be doing. If they don't have those in place, then I don't want any misunderstandings. So I will sit with whoever's in charge and say, okay, tell me why this process is like this or what I'm supposed to do. And, and is there a written policy? And every time they keep asking me, you know, well, we want you to do it this way. I'll say, well, where's the written policy? Sure. If they say, well, gee, we don't have any. I say, well, what if joint commission comes in? Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, what if you, what if you want, what if you ever want to have your lab accredited? And again, it depends on how large the facility so is. Accreditation um, may be a goal for some, but isn't there, right. uh, there's not just a carrot, there's a stick. Can Joint, yes. joint Commission can shut you down, can't they? So whenever they review a, a patient chart, like if an EEG is done, they can come to your lab and they can ask you whatever they want. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they can ask you for, they can ask me as a travel technologist, how do you know how to clean this? Or how do you know how to do this? Mm -hmm. And if I can't refer to a policy, then I have to tell them, they have to ask the supervisor or the manager, right? Yeah. Which is the proper answer. But then when they go to the lab manager, so as a, for instance, I went to a facility that was using, at the time, reusable electrodes pre-COVID. Sure. And um, I got a call in the middle of the day, uh, like on a Wednesday, I was working at an ambulatory center and the main hospital called and said, can you tell me how you transport those electrodes from your lab down the hall to the dirty sink that you clean them in? Because mm -hmm. I didn't have a sink in my lab. And I said, well, I take them out of the head box, wipe them down with a paper towel to get as much of the loose stuff off as I can, wrap them up around my hand, pull the glove over the electrodes, okay. and then I walk it to the dirty area. They said, oh, good. We just want to make sure you're not walking down the hall with these this dirty strand of electrodes to the, to the sink area. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, no, because then I'm contaminating everything that I'm going by, especially if it hits the wall or a chair or something like that. So Joint Commission was at the hospital and they got dinged at the hospital because the text used to just transport from the patient room back to the lab these dirty set of electrodes by wrapping them up in a towel. Mm -hmm. And Joint Commission didn't feel that that was clean enough to do. Yeah. So, um, you know, they got dinged on that. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, they can come in any lab. Most so of the what's, EMUs, what's, a, what's a ding do to you? Do, I mean, it's, if, is there a certain number of dings and they can say that you guys can't operate this service? Well, if you don't get an if you don't get an accreditation from Joint Commission, you don't get. It's my understanding you don't get Medicare reimbursement. Oh, I thought it, so I thought I thought it was a badge of honor to have be Joint Commission accredited. It is, but it's also tied, or I, from what I understand, at one time it was tied to reimbursement for Medicare. Okay. okay. Um, they can they can literally pull your Medicare reimbursement. Sounds like a topic for a show. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Connie, um, you referenced in our interview so far, uh, 13 weeks, probably five, mm -hmm. six times. Is that a fixed contract 
period that you or or is that a standard? Is it always thirteen weeks? Why you keep referencing that number? So uh, minimally, it'll be six weeks. And again, it's to compensate for everything the technologist is getting, correct? Yeah. So they get the, they uh, cover their expenses of getting, you said break even six weeks. Correct. I, I have had people ask me to do two or four weeks. And, and sometimes that's just up to the company that's negotiating the contract. Mm -hmm. And if the technologist is worth, worth is willing to do a short amount of time. Okay. Um, the shortest one I have done was eight weeks. Okay. Um, and it can be up to 11 months. Okay. If it's more than 11 months, you're required usually to take a month off and then you can come back mm -hmm. or to take another contract and then come back. And when you say and that, that has, when you say that, you mean to qualify for the uh, tax-free stipend, correct? To qualify for the non-taxable stipends. Okay. According to the according to what I was told, anything longer than 11 months is considered permanent. Okay. Gotcha. And then your and then your tax requirements are different. Point. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, do you want to do you want to share with the listeners who you work for, or who some of the top uh, providers, or who they might want to reach out to if they're interested? I currently work with AYA Healthcare, A Y A Healthcare. Okay. Um, and I work with them because the the contract that I was interested in uh, exclusively works with them. Mm -hmm. So that's why I work with them now. Okay. Um, I, I I tell everybody to interview the contracts to know just like used car salesmen and not to give them all a bad rap, but there are good ones and there are bad ones. Okay. Um, I'm a true person that I go with my gut mm -hmm. and whatever my gut is. Um, I don't publicly um, uh, say negative things about some of the companies I've worked with, but if people want to contact me, I'm more than happy to share some of my very negative and very positive experiences. Yeah. Um, I only work with one company exclusively at a time. I know most, a lot of travel people who work full-time work with numerous companies okay. so that they're always working. Okay. And that was something that was actually recommended by the first person that I worked with. Uh, but since I don't work full-time, I, I, I don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, because, because again, some of them will have ex exclusivity and so uh, sure. you'll want to make sure, sure if you need to work full time, that you always have access to a position. Connie, what's the worst thing about being a travel technologist? I don't get to be in God's country as much as I like. Um, I'm, Tra I'm Traverse in northern City. Michigan. Traverse City, Michigan, right? Uh, yeah, I'm 20 miles south and east of Traverse City. So, yeah, yeah it, I mean, as a for instance, I'm currently working in Tampa where it's been 96 degrees for the last two weeks. We're going to have a high of 68 tonight. So it's a, or today. So it's actually a pretty nice gig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I, and I miss my, my MacGyver. I'm, you know, we, mm. we are gone. We're apart from each other sometimes four to six weeks. Um, but it, it's been worth it for both of us. It's actually a good thing and a bad thing. Um, yeah. It's always like seeing each other for the first time. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I miss coming to the local smaller meetings, the MSET meeting, the CSET meeting, yeah. uh, where I have, have friends and, and the networking and seeing those people. I try as much as I can, but sometimes I can't. So, What, uh, what advice? Leave our listeners with the best advice you can give them for those who might be interested in travel technologists' possessions. So I would tell them, first, do your homework. Um, Find somebody that you trust, interview multiple companies, find somebody that you trust to be your first experience. If you are new in the field, 
and new being three years or less work experience, mm -hmm. I would tell you to make sure that that work experience you got was great clinical experience in a wide variety of, of patient types. I, you just don't want to have- I want to interrupt real quick. I apologize. Okay. Does that new person need to be registered to do this kind of work? Uh, they should be. I, I mean, I know people who have done this for a long time who are not registered, but their clinical experience makes up for that. Sure. Um, if you're registered, there's more opportunities for you because a lot of facilities are requiring you to be registry to help them assure competency of some some level, even if they don't require their staff to be registered. Yeah. You have to have good clinical experience. If you come fresh out of school, even though you've had schools and clinical, you're you're not going to be a good travel tech mm -hmm. because you're not always guaranteed you're working side by side with someone. Yeah. You know, as a travel tech, you're usually working relatively independently. Okay. Okay. Uh, after you figure out what you know what you want in the company, make sure you have more than one, especially if you need to be full time or you need to fall back on someone. They all understand that you're usually working with someone. If they give you a hard time because you have more than one company, you probably don't want to work with them. Okay. Decide if you want the experience, the location, the professional treatment, or the money. What's important to you? Some companies pay more than others, but the way they treat you is like cattle. Yeah. Uh, some companies, you know, give you the all the best locations. Do you want to work for somebody that looks great on a resume or do you want a small community hospital? Because, you know, you can pick and choose a lot of those. You're not responsible. Yeah. Um, know that when you go into that place, uh, they can negate your contract just as easily as you can. Okay. It's at will employment, meaning that if they don't like you, then your 13 weeks can be two? Yes. If you're not fitting into what they feel you represented yourself at, they can cancel your contract and require them to replace you. Okay. Um, if it, And you can do the same thing. Sure. Uh, but, as, but as the person, if you're doing it more than once or twice, chances are you're not going to work again. Right. You know, right. why, why are you having that kind of problem? What is the issue? Yeah. Um, usually you can try to work it out between you and your recruiter and the company, but sometimes they just can't be. And sometimes you're let go. Um, I did take a job where I found out after I got there that it was replacing a, a, a technologist that they had fired, a travel tech that they had let go. Yeah. Um, and so then you're walking into this can of worms, but you don't know why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after, you you know, when you go, go in with the open mindset and realize that they they have a process and they have a need for you uh, and you need to work in that you're in their house. You, you need to treat it as their home. You're their guest. Yeah. If they ask you an opinion, give them your opinion. If they ask for your experience or background, give an experience or background. I never talk negatively about a place that I've been to. I never even talk positively about a place that I've been to at any contract that I go to. Um, I don't talk about facilities or companies that I work through. Uh, you know, I just go in and do the job and what they want. Um, like we talked about before, sometimes when they find out that I was the asset president, the way they treat me changes. Yeah. So a lot of people, I don't tell them my past experience. I want them to know me. Yeah. And then I tell people, go in and enjoy yourself. Learn what you can, have fun, see the area, eat the food, yeah. make good friends, uh, get involved. Uh, volunteer, you know, see the sites, yeah. um, use it as a job interview. Who knows a year from now, you might decide to move to the area. So why not? It's a great job interview for the facility and it's a great job interview for you. Absolutely. Wow. That's a, um, that's a pretty good close right there, Connie. 
I appreciate you coming on. I think uh, I think this is going to be a hot topic. It's going to be a great episode, and um, hopefully our listeners agree and have learned a lot from you. It's been fun. Anytime anybody wants to talk with me, you know how to get a hold of me. I'm on the asset website, or you can get a hold of Jason. He can give it to you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm willing. You can either text me. You can uh, email me. Those are actually best because usually I'm working. So yeah. Well, hey, um, listeners yeah, can hit either one of us up and uh, through a DM, we can shoot your uh, contact info. Absolutely. Good Absolutely. All right. Thanks. See you. See you in July. I'll see you shortly, Connie. I look forward All to right. it. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jason Meyer for the Neuropod, the podcast for neurodiagnostic professionals. Thank you.